0: Welcome to the W-2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W-2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 Prison Break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on. Hey there, friend. Welcome back to another edition of the W-2 Prison Break show. So glad that you're tuning in every week. We have a great guest for you today. His name's Kevin Palmieri. Before we get into the show and the titles, I want to just remind everyone that if you like this show, do me a favor and subscribe. Leave a comment, share with someone who needs to hear. It It really helps support the show. And then again, if you'd like to watch these episodes, they're all on our YouTube channel. So go to the W2 Prison Break Show YouTube channel and you can watch all these episodes if that's what you prefer. I like to watch. Anyways, today we've got Kevin Palmieri it has got a great story. You're gonna hear about his journey from W2 to entrepreneur. And he has a podcast that has over 1,000 episodes. He's recorded over 1,000 episodes on his podcast. Just incredible. And you're gonna hear how Kevin has really made massive changes in his life. It all started from within. So we're gonna hear a lot about self-improvement today And then make sure you stay to the very end, because if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, he's got some great tips and great advice on how to execute that and breaks it down in a very simple way. Enjoy the episode. Kevin, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Looking forward to chatting with you today.
1: Likewise, my friend, I appreciate the opportunity and I'm very excited to see where we go.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. This can go anywhere. We were talking a little bit offline. And before we hit record, I'm really intrigued by your story. And I think that the audience is going to be intrigued as well, because I think a lot of it's going to be relatable. So Mm -hmm. let's dive into where you were years ago. We were talking about how you said you thought that you had it all, but you know, you really didn't. So give us some context there, please.
1: Yeah. When I was 25 years old, much to Brian's point, my girlfriend was a model. I had a sports car, my job paid anywhere from 60 to $120 an hour. I had a new apartment and I had quite literally the body of my dreams because I had just competed in and won a bodybuilding show. So from the outside looking in, this kid's crushing it. He's got everything he could ever possibly want. But as is often, that wasn't really true. A lot of people thought I was way happier, more fulfilled and more quote unquote successful than I actually was. And one day my girlfriend came to me and she told me she wanted to move across the country and chase her dreams. We lived on the East Coast. She wanted to go live in California. And I was so afraid of being left behind. I was so scarce. I was so insecure that I told her no. And I said, here's a list of reasons why you shouldn't do this because you're going to fail. She ended up leaving me and going and chasing her dreams as she should have. And we've chatted after that and we're on good terms. And that was a very important point for both of us in our lives. But when she left, Brian, I had to look in the mirror of who am I as a man? And why would anybody ever love this version of Kevin? I made a a mistake. So I started doing these positive affirmations. I said, I want to get into self-improvement, positive affirmations, great, easy place to start. I am handsome. I'm talented. I'm worthy. I'm intelligent. Brian, this year, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. My problem is I really went all in on that last one. So the beginning of that next year, I got a promotion and I was working in the weatherization industry. All that means is we would go into state-owned buildings and we would make them more energy efficient, work on the windows, work on the doors, work in the attics, wherever it was. So I end up getting a promotion to a foreman, which means I start every job. I run the entire job. I close out the job. I'm making more money because I'm working more hours. The downside is is the majority of our work was on the road. So I lived in New Hampshire, most of our work was in New Jersey, which is like 6 hours away. I was on the road constantly. So if you fast forward to the end of that year, I had been on the road for 10 months out of the 12 months. Every single week staying in a hotel, working different hours, driving a bunch of hours, it was just it was a real 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 grind for me, but it was in alignment with the goal that I had set. So I was willing to do whatever it took. I stayed up for 30 hours at a time routinely. That was normal. I get to the end of the year. I open my final pay stub and I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. But I was very disappointed because I assumed that this new level of success was going to fix those insecurities. It was going to fix that scarcity. It was going to improve my confidence. It was going to improve my self-worth. It didn't do any of that. And I realized, Brian, that For that previous year, and for most of my life, honestly, I had lived unconsciously. What's the opposite of unconscious? Hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast, and I quite literally overnight fell out of love with my job, and I fell in love with podcasting. So I start calling out of my work of uh, my employment. I show up late to the job site. I start leaving the job sites early, and it eventually got to the point where I had to be... In New Jersey, 7 a.m. on Monday, I would sleep in my bed on Sunday night from 9 p.m. until midnight. I would get up and I would drive six hours straight to the job site. I'd work an eight-hour day and then I would go to the gym after. I was so homesick. I could not do another night in a hotel. I just couldn't do it. It was crushing my mental health. I was super anxious. I was getting depressed and I just kept pushing. I kept pushing because I didn't know what else to do. Mm. And Eventually, it got to the point where- I woke up in a hotel room in New Jersey, 5.15 in the morning, cold morning. I don't remember what month, but it was cold and it was dark. I sat up, I slid to the edge of the bed and I was lacing up my work boots and I had done this a thousand times. And that morning was different. It was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And every single one of these televisions was on a different station. One saying you're stuck here forever. I know you want to leave this job, but you're never going to make this kind of money again. If you do leave, what will your friends think? They all look up to you because you make so much money. If you do leave, what will your family think? They look up to you because you make so much money. And if you do leave, are you just going to ride this podcast thing off into the sunset? The odds of that are just unreasonably low. And in that moment, I felt that if I took my life, I would take my problems with me. Now, one of the things I talk about a lot, I really lean on this for everybody, is the people around you. I had somebody in my corner who I felt safe to text. He's now my business partner. And I told him what I was going through. I said, hey, I'm really dealing with it here. I'm having some dark thoughts. I'm kind of freaking out. I don't know what's going on. And he said, Kev, so much has changed for you over the last few years in terms of your awareness and your personal development, but your environments have really stayed the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So three or four months later, I ended up leaving that job and starting the unreasonably challenging journey of being a very broke entrepreneur in the podcast arena. And that's the beginning of how we got to where we are today. And then obviously, you know, the four years after that were unreasonably challenging. So I didn't go from leaving my job to where we are today. I want to make sure that's clear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. First of all, there's a lot there. And number one, the share is great. Vulnerability is something that we talk about a lot on the show, especially Mm -hmm. for men, because we have a very difficult time with that, right? Yeah. Very insightful for someone who's 25 years old to have that level of awareness, Mm -hmm. right? And I hear the travel thing. I didn't travel as much as you did, but I was missing my kid grow up. I was traveling 100,000 miles a year. I couldn't imagine staying in hotels as much as you did. I didn't like as much as I did. So I can hear you there. Do you think that you needed to have this bottom or this rock bottom moment to kind of wake you up? Expand on that a little bit if you could.
1: Yeah, I really do. Because I'm sure you've heard this before. Money doesn't buy happiness, but everybody wants to find out for themselves. And if you told me, Kev, I could give you all of this stuff, but you're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to feel on purpose. You're not going to feel like you have a mission. You're not going to feel joy. I never would have understood that. I never would have understood that. And this is the other interesting thing, Brian. Now me working a 16 hour day, honestly, isn't that hard? I mean, I get to sit in the studio and I get to do podcasts. And the muscle that I have now, the work ethic that I have now, so much of that came to me from that job. So I think it gave me a certain level of perspective. I think it gave me a certain level of responsibility Mm. that, look, if I can help somebody from going through what I went through, cool. It definitely gave me my mission. I wanted to be a podcaster before that, but I didn't know the impact I wanted to have. Now I do. So yeah, I think that for me, that adversity became a large advantage because I had the belief that I could turn it into something positive. So yes.
0: Love it. Kevin, you mentioned a couple other things too when you were looking at giving up the high paying job, which mm-hmm. I hear all the time. I struggle with this. I had a multiple six figure job. I had a hard time walking away from it. Yeah. you know. And it wasn't because of the money. It was all the other stuff that you said, which was, hey, what are people gonna think? Mm-hmm. What are people gonna say to me? And I had that. I had people that said to me, Hey, that sounds kind of risky. Like you going to be a full-time real estate investor—that sounds pretty risky to me. Mm. And unfortunately, that's our download growing up, right? Is to stay in the job. the health, like I was so tied to the health benefits. Like what? Where, I'm not going to have health insurance. Yeah. And the irony is, I pay less for health insurance now <laughs> than when I was employed. <laughs> so as a W two. But this is all real stuff, and that's self talk. And I'd just love to hear your insight as to how you were able to get over some of those fears like you know that you were projecting onto other people, essentially.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because one of the things that I haven't been, and I don't know where this comes from, but I haven't been super worried about is the judgment of my decisions from other people's perspectives. I think I have a very unique understanding that unless you're doing or have done what I'm doing, any advice you're giving me is probably from a place of fear. Your awareness in that arena most likely isn't high enough to add value to my life. I also had a very unique understanding, Brian, that people don't give advice based on where they want you to go. Most people give advice based on where they think they'd end up if they took the path that you're taking. I think I had a very unique understanding of that in the beginning. Mm. Now, one of the things I will say is I've had a mentor for the last six years, My business partner was my mentor. He was the personal development person. He had studied business. He knew everything that I didn't know. So I had somebody in my corner this entire time, which helped to keep me humble, but it also instilled belief in me when I didn't have that. We have to understand, and it's this weird thought, that when you're born, you are often born into soil that, well, you're always born into soil that you do not have control over. Oftentimes, the soil that we're born into is toxic. And what happens is we grow up, and we're raised, and we move on with our lives, and we forget that our roots are still planted in the soil that we were born into. And we're learning all this stuff, but it doesn't seem to land. Why isn't it landing? I learned this. Why isn't it going down to the root of who I am? I think one of the things that people need to understand is you probably have to do more unlearning before you start learning more. Unlearning is, I can't do this because... I'm shy because. So much of what we are today is not who we actually are. It's what we've been told we are. So I think really digging into your self-awareness and asking yourself, well, why couldn't I be a real estate investor? What is it about me that wouldn't allow that to happen? Really digging into those questions, asking why, and just digging and digging and digging will help you understand yourself at a deeper level. And then hopefully you'll realize a lot of the things that you're saying on the day-to-day are not your beliefs. Those are downloaded from other experiences and they're only true because you keep following them.
0: Brilliant. I love the unlearning piece. I want to ask you, we're going to get to your podcast in a minute, because this is your passion. And I want, that's the whole idea of this show Mm -hmm. is to leave, you know, the rat race, the job that you can't stand, the life that you can't stand and do what you love, right? Mm -hmm. Like you alluded to it earlier, 16 hour days is a drop in the bucket for you. Like you're doing what you love. Work is play when you get to that point. Mm -hmm. How did you go about unlearning some of your downloads? Again, these downloads, Happen when we're little kids. So it's hard to unlearn that stuff. Yeah. What are some maybe one or two tips that you would give to the listeners to unlearn their downloads?
1: Yeah. I think one of the easiest ways, it's such a paradox because it's the easiest, but it's also the most challenging. Make a list. Make a simple list of this. What are the things that I cannot accomplish because I am blank way? So say I am shy. So I could never be a speaker. Okay, cool. This is what you do. You create the smallest next step. That helps you prove that belief wrong. For me, Brian, I didn't want to be a speaker. I never planned on being a speaker. I wanted to be a podcaster. But when somebody said, hey, do you want to do this speaking event? I was like, oh, I'm shy. I'm not a public speaker. And it wasn't a big event. It was small enough where I could go do it and prove those parts of me wrong and the parts of me that I wanted to grow correct. So you have to ask yourself a question. You have to say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, what is a new action I can take? That's like a three or four. It gets me out of my comfort zone and it gets me into this new identity, but it's not something that if I quote unquote fail, it will be the end of the world. And the analogy I use for this, or the story I use, I had a young lady reach out to me and say, Hey, I want to be a speaker. And I said, awesome. I can help you with that. I've been doing that for a long time. I said, well, we have to get you practicing some reps. We have to help you change your identity. That's what has to happen here. I said, on a scale of one to 10, how outside of your comfort zone is it for you to do a Facebook Live? And she's like, 12 out of 10, can't do it. Okay, understandable. On a scale of one to 10, how outside of your comfort zone is it for you to record a video to yourself and show nobody? And she said, that's easy. That's like a zero. Cool, not enough. On a scale of one to 10, how outside of your comfort zone is it for you to record a video and send it to me? And I promise I won't show anybody. And she said, probably like a five or a six. Perfect. Let's do that. That proves to yourself that you're capable of taking action that is in alignment with the person that you want to become, not the person you've been told you are. And then that becomes your most recent and relevant proof. So next time you do it, you can look at that. A lot of us are setting these small promises, but we're letting ourselves down. And that becomes our recent proof. I said I was going to go to the gym, but I said I was going to do this speech, but I said I was going to do this coaching call, but so it starts with very, very small actions and those actions reinforce a new identity and those actions get easier and easier and easier as we adopt that identity more.
0: I'm curious, did she end up doing a Facebook live?
1: She has not done a Facebook live yet. I would say
0: that that's probably an 11 out of 10 for me too. And I, <laughs> and I have a podcast and I do videos all the time, so yeah. I've not done the live thing yet. So I'm going to take your advice. Thanks for sharing that. That's a of great course. share. All right, let's talk about your super awesome podcast. This is what you love. You've done over a thousand episodes, I understand.
1: 1140 as of today.
0: Sweet. That's a lot. You're doing it every day. Like, talk about the show. Give us the name of the show and then talk about who your target audience is or who your listeners are and how you're helping them.
1: Yeah. So our show is Next Level University. We take a heart-driven, so it's we say heart-driven, but no BS holistic self-improvement for dream chasers. That's us in a nutshell. Heart-driven. I'm always trying to add value from the heart, not from a place of ego, just from a place of love. The no BS is I can't lie to you about what it's going to take, about what it's taken for me. I got to be honest. That just is the way it is for me. And our motto, Brian, is self-improvement in your pocket every day from anywhere on the planet, completely free. That's why we do the amount of episodes we do. We want to add as much value as humanly possible. Our audience is dream chasers. It's people that want more out of life, but they're not always sure how to get it. And we try to help people with health, wealth, and love, mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. But there's aspects of finance that people need to know. And there's aspects of relationships that people need to know. So we're trying to help people from a holistic, well-rounded place through leading by example. And the reason I know, quote unquote, or I understand as much as I do is because that's how much I need to understand in order to get the results I want in my life. And then I can go share those with other people.
0: Can you repeat the mission statement again, please? You said it so quickly, I couldn't write it down, (laughs) but I love that you have it and you know
1: it. Go. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Self-improvement every day in the pocket of every person on the planet, completely free.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) Seriously, that's awesome. Thank you. Good on you. Thank you. Every person on the planet. So you got big dreams and that's great. Yeah. And your no BS approach is like, there's nothing, you know, people, I think a lot of people look at no BS as like, you're being belligerent when you say that. And you're mm. not, you're not, you're just telling it like it is. And you're, you're getting to the point, being direct and to the point it, no BS doesn't
1: mean that it's, I think a
0: lot of people look at that in a negative light. Yeah. Would you not agree?
1: I think a lot of people do, but I think it's because a lot of people don't know how much they're getting BS'd. This is the interesting thing. We did an episode on this recently. The only way you can truly be taken advantage of is if somebody else has awareness that you don't have yet. That's how you take advantage. When you go to the, I don't know about you, Brian. I don't know a ton about cars. When I go to the mechanic, they could say anything. Like you're, you know, whatever. This is broken. It's fourteen thousand dollars. All right. Yeah. Whatever. Cool. And again, I know enough to get by. But think of it that way. If you're not aware, people can pull the wool over your eyes. And I've seen this happen with podcasters. I've seen this happen with fitness equipment, with supplements. I will never get ripped off when it comes to buying some sort of supplement because my awareness and fitness is too high. So yeah, for me, it's I think the deepest part of my mission, Brian, is to make sure people have the awareness to make the most intelligent aligned decisions for their futures. I think that's my mission.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Health, wealth, and love, you mentioned. Mm. Yep. Huge topics for- pretty much everyone, right? We all want better health. We all want better relationships. We all want more money. For you personally, can you rank the three? What's the most important and what's the least important?
1: To me personally? Yeah. Interesting. I would say for me, it's probably wealth, love, and health.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. (laughs) I think that everyone should probably ask themselves that, don't you?
1: You got to be very honest with yourself. Even the fact that I said wealth before love was like, oh my goodness, what if my wife hears this and takes that the wrong way? But this is the reason why. And again, this is a fine line and you got to be very careful with this. Mm -hmm. I'm a better partner. I'm a better business owner. I'm a better employer. I'm a better coach. I'm a better man when I am abundant because I can make decisions based from a place of abundance, not scarcity. I can be more patient because- if I do lose a client, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. So when I say wealth, I just mean because that helps me be the best version of me. Love for me, when my wife and I aren't 10 out of 10, everything gets thrown off. It wrecks my day. I can't. I don't think the same. It's just not the same for me. And then I believe that if you have financial stability, if you feel loved, it's easier to pour into your health because being healthy can be expensive. It just can. And that's the truth of it.
0: Absolutely. Totally. I love the explanation too. And so you mentioned a 10 out of 10, like you're always looking, like I'm always looking for nines and tens, right? Mm And you just up-leveled me to think about tens, (laughs) but in terms of my day, right? Like every day I evaluate and I'm shooting for nines and tens. I don't always get there, of course, but that's what we're shooting for. What does a 10 look like for your relationship with your wife?
1: Oh man. A 10 is we're both getting our needs met. We're Mm -hmm. both getting our love languages met. We're connected intimately. And when I say that, I don't mean sexually. I mean, like we're connected intimately to the point where every time we see each other, it's this energetic rise. We understand each other. We know exactly what the other person is feeling, what they're going through. It's a feeling more than anything. And part of it is we have the ability to match each other's needs. Mm -hmm. That's one of the hardest. I heard this somewhere the other day. It's the only thing worse than being an entrepreneur is dating one or being married to one. And it's like, honestly, I can understand where that comes from because last night I was supposed to be done at 8 p.m. We didn't finish our CFO meeting until 8 40, right? And that's the second night this week where I've worked 16 hours. And I understand, and I'm running this all the time. Where is Taryn's low? Is she getting her needs met? Yes or no? To the point where I messaged Alan, who's the CEO, and said, hey, these late meetings, I can't do them like this anymore. Like something has to shift. It's going to be a negative impact on my relationship. Just trying to stay proactive. So yeah, it's making sure that we're both getting our needs met and making sure we're honestly communicating with each other because that's the only way to progress.
0: Yeah. Great. And you mentioned a couple of things there too about intimacy and thank you for explaining that because I think a lot of people Relate intimacy to the sexual thing. I did that. And then someone said, no, 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 that's not what that means. Like Mm. men can be intimate with each other. Right. Mm. So I appreciate you explaining that. And then you mentioned the love languages too, which one of my favorite books is the five love languages. So, which again was something I would not have ever read in my life. And like, I'm too macho for this. (laughs) What is this? I'm too manly for this. Yeah. It was a book to change my entire perspective. Same. Um, Same. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome stuff. That's the five love languages for everyone listening. If you want to grab that book, it really is eye-opening for you and your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
1: one of those things where, and that's why I love talking about life, love, health, and wealth, because if you're listening to a business podcast, you might not ever get that. You might not hear somebody say, well, if you really want to up-level your relationship, download the five love languages, or you know, listen to Dr. John Gottman. Yep. You might not get that feedback, and that's why I love trying to do it from a holistic standpoint, and I love the fact that you've done it as well, Brian.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. So we went on a little side tangent there with your show because of the three topics, 1,100 plus episodes. You're doing it every, it's every day. Yeah? Yep. Seven Um, days a week. And then you've got six, I don't know what you refer to them as, you call them solo casts.
1: We're doing all seven now. Everything we do is solo.
0: All seven. Got it. And I encourage everyone to check the show out. I listened to an episode this morning. Obviously, Kevin has a ton of energy that's infectious, right? That catches on, right? And so talk about your your helping people to your coaching people, your speaking. What are some of the, the really common, what are the commonalities or common traits of the people that are coming to you and saying, hey, I'm stuck in this area of my life. How do you advance them? How do you get them to keep dreaming and then ultimately experience a breakthrough with them?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because in a way, everybody comes for one of three reasons. They're not happy with the... Honestly, it's one. It's a main thing. They're not happy with the results in their life and they don't Mm -hmm. know how to get the ultimate results that they want. The way we do it, I think, is different than a lot of places because the thing we do is we dig into your identity. For most people... It's not the fact that you're not making enough money because you don't understand sales. You might not be making enough money because you have a money block around the fact that you grew up broke and you have a low level of self-worth and you don't think you deserve money. If you have low self-worth, that's determining many, many, many of the outcomes that you're getting in your life. So the way we do it is we try, and I've learned this over the last few years specifically, but we try not to go right to tactics. We try to go to your character and your identity first. Because your identity says a lot about you, and it says a lot about the results that you're going to get in your life if they don't shift. But the most common things that we see are low self-belief, low self-worth, lack of consistency, lack of clarity, lack of community, fear of judgment, toxic Mm -hmm. people in people's lives, and not having the courage to create distance. Those are the most common things that we see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, low self-esteem and the low self-belief. Yeah, that was me. Mm-hmm. Even Same. even though I, I was successful, Same. I was successful. You know, on the outside looking in, it, it looked great. Where do you think that comes from?
1: Low self-belief, I think, comes from two things. One, having a fixed mindset, so not assuming that something going wrong can eventually be the reason something goes right. And then I think that something happens to us in our life where it's this pivot point where it goes from constructive to this is now the way it is. So I think back to me, number one, I grew up without my dad. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. I think that's one of the reasons I had low self-worth because my dad didn't value me enough to be there. That must mean I'm not valuable. I have a low self-worth. The other part of it too, Brian, is this. If you grow up and you're not good at setting boundaries and you're a people pleaser, oftentimes that becomes low self-worth later in life because you can't put up your boundaries and keep them. So you have to put other people's opinions of you over yourself, which is just a recipe for long-term low self-worth. And then low self-belief, it's the fact that you're not setting goals, setting small goals and accomplishing them. It really is that. I mean, if you want to build self-trust and self-belief, You must do things to prove yourself right. And when Mm -hmm. you don't have self-belief, this interesting thing happens. You don't have self-belief, so you don't try. When you don't try, you don't get results. When you don't get results, you don't contemplate. And when you don't contemplate, you don't get new awareness. But when you try something new, you get results, even if they're not ideal. And then that forces you to contemplate. That forces you to think more deeply. And then next time you try it, you get a different result. So yeah, those are a couple of the reasons.
0: I'm running out of room to write notes here, <laughs> Kevin. That means you're crushing it. I this is really, it. This is really awesome. So identity, one of the reasons I was able to move the needle in my life, because I suffered in all areas, but I didn't know it, right? Mm. It was just like, hey, I'm just not feeling right. I started seeing a counselor and he went all the way back, like, let's peel back the onion to when you were a little kid. I'm like, why the heck are we doing this? <laughs> First of all, I don't want to do it. And then that's when I started to realize the identity, right? Like there were events in my life that I, that carried with me and those are my downloads. So I would encourage everyone to do that. There's a lot of value in that, a lot of value in that before you can just be like, okay, let's, I want to make a bunch of money. Let's fix this and this and this. So you got to go all the way back. As Kevin said, your identity, I love that you talked about boundaries. Most people are terrible at setting boundaries with everyone, like Mm -hmm. even your family, you know, especially, especially your your family your family. Right. And you just have to do that. You have to say no so that you can start saying yes. Right. What really struck me was you said setting small goals mm. and proving to yourself. So can you give an example? Cause you know, it's easy to have big goals. Like I want to, you know, lose 30 pounds or I want to make a million dollars. That's not what you're talking about.
1: Mm.
0: So give an example of the small goals and how do you create those wins?
1: Yeah. Number one, most people inherently are not good at focusing on the wins. If you said, give me five losses this week, people are like, boom, here's seven. Give me three wins. They're like, "Ah, oh, I can probably give you one. That's part one is you got to start focusing on the wins because odds are you have way more wins than you realize. I had a young lady reach out to me one time, Ryan. And she said, I am terrified of starting conversations with people. And I said, okay, I think we all are, but let's talk about that she was local. We ended up going to the mall together. I said, we're going to go to the mall and we're going to approach people. And she's like, okay. So I meet up with this young lady. We hug it out. She was a podcast listener. We go into a store that sells bean bags, And I said, I want you to go talk to that person and ask them about the beanbag. And she's like, aren't they going to be weird? And I said, it's their job to sell you the bean bag. They're going to talk to you. I promise. Goes well. We go to the next store. Ask about this table. Goes well. Another store. Awesome. We go to the food court. Ask about that. Ask about this. Ask about that. We're getting ready to leave the mall that day. And for some reason, there's these mechanical zoo animals that the mall has that you can rent and you can drive them around. Weird, but interesting. We're getting ready to leave. We walk by them. And this young lady says, if we were really confident, if we were really courageous, if we really wanted to take a new action that would prove something to ourselves, we would rent those and ride them. And I was like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this at all. So I have a video on my phone of us riding around the mall on those mechanical zoo animals. This young lady then went back to school She got a 3.8 GPA, even though everybody told her she wasn't smart enough to graduate. She went on to get her dream job and moved from Rhode Island to Nashville, Tennessee, where she is living now. And she ended up on our team. Somebody at one point who did not have the belief to have a conversation with a stranger now works on our team, sends emails to famous people, has done lives with people who are very successful because she started very small. I am afraid to have conversations with strangers. Cool. We can reveal that to you today. We can put you in that environment where at least you're going to realize that's not the end of the world and it's more possible than you think. So it's interesting how one small thing, one conversation with somebody at the mall turned into the life that she has today. I think that's probably the best example of it, honestly.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And very insightful of you to think of that idea of starting <laughs> conversations at the mall. I love it. Thank you. Focusing on the wins, super important. We as human beings are wired to focus on the opposite. Yes. You know, hey, my day was terrible. It's like, which is why I believe, or I should say, I know that gratitude is one of the biggest needle movers in your life if mm-hmm. you choose to practice it. Yeah. You know, when you get out of bed in the morning, you got a choice you got a choice. Yeah. You're going to be happy. You're going to be sad. You know, people think that happiness is all condition based. It's a choice.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. And it takes 30 seconds in the morning to just say, Hey, Hey, you know what? I got another shot. Mm. You know, I get to walk out of bed. I get to walk down the stairs. I get to kiss my wife. And if you have one, you know, and I got another shot, I got another shot at this life. So mm. I love that you brought that up, focusing on the positives versus the negative, because there's so much negative stuff that you can consume and that's available to us. I mean, it's yeah. you know all you got to do is open up your phone or turn the TV on, right?
1: Yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty. I like the term grateful ambition. I think people who are high achievers are usually very ambitious, but they're not grateful for what they've accomplished yet. And then on the other end, there's people who are very, very grateful for everything that they have, but they're not necessarily ambitious for more. I think if you can land in the middle and find your own unique middle, that's a really good place to be. I'm very grateful for all I've accomplished and everything I've have, but I'm very hungry for the stuff that I have not yet done. And I think that's a good balance for me. You got to find your own unique version of that.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Kevin, we were talking a little bit before we hit record about entrepreneurs are lied to. Mm. Let's chat about that because we never want to mislead someone who wants to leave a job that they're unsatisfied with that, hey, it's going to be way better over here. Right. What did you mean when you said that?
1: Yeah. I think that number one, we're in this interesting place of social media land where you only see the best side of entrepreneurship. There's a survivor's bias to the fact that all the people that you see that have succeeded, there are a hundred people who haven't made it for every successful person you see. I just want people to understand that it's not you work three hours a day and then you go to the beach and then you go to the water park and you go out to the bar. Being an entrepreneur, There's this meme that we share in the team. It's this guy sitting on the beach. He says, I used to work nine to five. Then I became an entrepreneur. Now I work 24 seven. And for a lot of people, especially in the beginning, it will require way more of you than your nine to five did. It's just a different level of mud. This is the other thing. Much of the stuff that gets the most love on social media is also the least valuable for the vast majority of humans. I see this all the time in the podcast industry. Come to us and we'll help you launch a top 100 show guaranteed. It's not real. It doesn't work that way. I've launched top 100 shows. If you have a big audience, it's easy. If you don't have a big audience, it's nearly impossible to do it without, you know, fluffing some numbers. So just make sure that wherever you're getting your information, these people actually have the results that you want. They've reverse engineered the results that you want and they've gotten, and they're giving you the truth because if they're not, you're putting yourself in a very high risk situation and honestly being an entrepreneur is already high risk enough totally thank you for explaining that and
0: i agree telling it like it is you know i actually put i forget i think i put it everywhere but i was getting tired every time i opened up social media of seeing all these gurus talking about making ten thousand dollars a month in 90 days working you know five hours a week yeah it's like well i gotta put an end to this like this is not real this is not real life right (laughs) It's difficult, but it's different. Like you said, you work 16 hours a day and that's a choice. You Mm -hmm. probably don't have to do that. That's what you want to do. If you do it the right way, you can certainly make your own hours. At the same time, you're doing something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically today, somebody, I'm part of a real estate mastermind, Kevin, and they asked me like, Hey, I wanted to talk to you about starting a podcast. So we're here now, we're doing this interview and you've had multiple podcasts from hearing, yes?
1: I have two, but our company has started probably, I don't know, a hundred at this point.
0: Okay, got it. So I'm going to speak to this woman later. What would Kevin say about starting a podcast? Like, what do you need to know about starting your own podcast? You're starting mm-hmm. from scratch?
1: Number one, you have to understand your audience at the deepest of deep levels. If you can understand your audience, you can understand their pain points, you can understand the buzzwords, you can understand their human experience, Mm. everything gets easier and more valuable. That's part one. Part two is if you don't understand business, study it because podcasting is a business and the way you monetize it is a business. Then when you start to understand the business side of things, treat your podcast like a business. Honestly, your podcast is going to cost you money if it's not costing you money. And again, there's people who win without this, but I've seen this before. People wear it as a badge of honor. They say, well, I only pay $12 a month for my podcast host, everything else I do. That's great. That's great. But also understand that if you don't delegate, it's going to be very hard for you to make money with your podcast, especially if you're in the coaching realm. So yeah, understand your audience, study business so you understand how businesses actually run. Treat your podcast like a business and don't miss. If you cannot be consistent, it's nearly impossible to win with a podcast. The reason we are where we are is because we've done 1,140 episodes. And when Alan and I partnered up 20 episodes in, we never missed. So we haven't missed an episode in 1,100. That's one of the reasons we're where we are is we're building the compound effect faster and more than other people are. Yeah. And that's a big commitment every day. I mean, yeah. yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Make it sustainable in the beginning. Start with one episode a week or an episode every other. Make it sustainable. Be consistent. And then create consistent improvement. If you can do that, you can win long term.
0: I love it. I love the don't miss. And that's just showing up. Just do it every single day, right? Yep. And make sure the message is clear. All right. So this is more of the tactical side. Is there any type of gear that you love? Like what's your must gear? We're going off topic here, but I just love this topic.
1: <laughs> Honestly, for me. I don't have it. I have really nice gear. And I suggest if if a high, you know, somebody who has a lot of money comes to me and says, what do I get? I say this $3,000 camera and this mic. For most people, they overthink that in the beginning. They (laughs) overthink that in the beginning. All you need is a Zoom account, wired AirPod, or wired headphones and your webcam, and you can make a podcast. How much do you focus on improving after that is more important than how you launch, in my humble opinion. I
0: agree with your humble opinion. That is overthought big time. You yes. have to find out, as you had indicated, you got to dial in the audience. Yes. You know, And I think a really good way to figure that out is, I mean, again, you have personal experience with what you went through. Yeah. So.
1: Do free calls. If you want to know your audience? Do free calls. There's a lot of people out there that say, oh, free calls are devaluing your service. I do free calls five times a week with people. And it helps me understand our audience at a deeper level. And just remember this, the person who adds the most value wins in the long run. That's what we're big on. We'll just add more value more consistently. If you can do the same thing, your audience will recognize that.
0: Yeah. 1 million percent lead with value, teaching, education, come from the heart, as you say, Mm -hmm. and all that other stuff will come, Mm -hmm. right? The money will come if you're just patient. I think a lot of us start podcasts for the wrong reason. Like, oh, I want a million people to listen to it and it's going to make me $50,000 a month or, you know, whatever it is. And you forget why you're doing it,
1: Yeah, you know,
0: why you're doing it. So I appreciate the passion, Kevin. Before we wrap up here, I just, I mean, this is great. We could go on all day, but is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about? And then again, let's give the podcast one more time. So I want to make sure people go and subscribe and listen.
1: Yeah. No, for me, I think we hammered everything. As long as I'm adding value, I'm happy. That's my main focus. And yes, the podcast is Next Level University. We're on all the podcast platforms and all of our episodes are on YouTube as well, if you want to watch us.
0: Is that just going to Next Level University on YouTube? Okay. Perfect. Same thing. Awesome. You post all of your podcasts as well. That's great. Everything. Everything's up there. I like to watch more than... Listening. Same. I know there's something about seeing the body language, you know? Yeah. So, this will be on YouTube, by the way, everyone listening. So, all right, cool. Any final thoughts? I know you've nailed everything, but I mean, this has been tremendous. I got like two and a half pages of notes and I can't wait for the episode to air. But any final
1: thoughts before we wrap up here, Kevin? I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words. The last thing I would say is your reality becomes the parts of your imagination that you hold on to and pour into the longest. We all have an imagination. And oftentimes, we start to lose sight of those things when it doesn't become realistic or it doesn't fit into the status quo. The only reason I'm able to do what I'm doing today is because however many years ago, this was the thing in my imagination. And I held on to that regardless of judgment, regardless of failure, and I poured into it every day. And five, 10 years from today, you're going to end up somewhere. I want it to be a place of your choosing, not a place of unconsciousness, a place of your choosing. And I want you to end up where you want to end up.
0: Love it. That's such a great way to end the show. Kevin, I really appreciate you. Great insight. Everyone, make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W-2 prison break. Here's to busting you out.